like that! You like that! Feels great, baby. <sighs> Normally I would start with, uh, hey, 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 or, uh, you know, let's let's go. Let's get started with the You Like That Feels Great Baby podcast. But no, I just had to start with a sigh today. Uh, I'm Eric Stenholm with my co-host Joey Moore. We're getting started here uh, talking about Monday Night Football. My Vikings just laid an egg, an F-minus performance. Uh, the score didn't even indicate how bad we were. Only putting up 10 points even felt generous. Our worst performance of the season. Justin Jefferson, where are you? It's been seven weeks for a four-week injury. I am falling apart over here, Joey. I am just going to toss it over to you. As an impartial fan, what did you see on Monday night? Because what I saw, there's going to be a lot of four-letter words coming out. Well, let's hear them. We're all about the four-letter words. Um, no, as, like you said, impartial observer. said it before. Um, it was a tough watch if you're a fan of the pigskin. Um, just tough, tough watch. Turnovers. I mean, the Vikings, their season has just been defined on turning the ball over repeatedly and um we could talk about x's and o's but there weren't very many x's or o's on either side of the ball for either team (laughs) um justin fields made uh one throw i saw that was beyond the line of scrimmage that was some type of scheme and it was the one that got um them into field goal range so credit credit to him i guess he rectified the two just horrendous fumbles in the fourth quarter and uh, I was John- all ready to start the pod with thank God for Justin Fields, just because we had no business winning that game. And then, boom, we were ahead 10-9, and then he fumbled again. And I was like, oh, my God, not only are we going to win, we're going to cover by kicking a field goal here. This is insane. And then, lo and behold, that even that wasn't enough. Like, you said X's and O's. I mean, the Jimmy and Joe's and the X's and O's were just a tire fire tonight. Uh, yeah. Um. Tough watch, but you said it, and I think that's the more the juicier story. Um, the seven-week hamstring injury for Justin Jefferson, if I was a Vikings fan, is is would piss me off. Um, I, I held it together for six weeks because we won five and what one. What is the reason? I, I just I don't care what the reason is. Like you know, people, we're gonna we're gonna come up on bowl season for college football, or we might see a lot of. First round draft picks not play their bowl game unless they're in the playoff, and I don't care how smart of a financial decision it is. It rubs people the wrong way, like mm-hmm. if you really ask them, because this is a competitive environment, competitive industry, and when you aren't competitive, um, and you very obviously do put the money or do put your own selfish endeavors in front of the team. Fans are going to react away. I'm not saying it's wrong. There are a lot of people that that money changes their lives, changes their family's life, changes their grandkids' life, and, and, and I don't really blame them. But that being said, when you're a guy in a Justin Jefferson jersey right now, you're just like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, like it doesn't make if the money is it really is he's holding out for a contract. It, I just have a hard time giving the guy a contract, like wanting to give one when clearly it's like. You don't want to be, you know what I'm saying? Am, am I being too harsh? I don't. Am I looking too into it? It's it's because if I'm it, a Vikings fan, I'm like, because the whole I remember I was trying to think about it like my own team, like the Niners. Debo Samuel went on a kind of crusade a couple summers ago on like I'm not coming. He wants a raise, but that was in the off season. He wasn't missing games, mm-hmm. you know. Like and eventually it gets done. Everything's all squared away. 
but you start to like hold out games, essentially. Like that's that's a tough bill. It's, it's been completely papered over because we were five and zero heading into Sunday Night Football last week without Jefferson. So all those people who said, "Hey, he should be back after four weeks," or "Oh my gosh, he should be back after five weeks," they activated him from IR. What the hell are we doing here? Why isn't he playing? We've now lost two in a row, granted by a combined three points, but still. Where the hell are you? Like, seven weeks for a four-week injury is not normal. There's lots of talk of he wanted to be 100% certain that he's ready. And it's like, dude, you, you, it could have Nobody's been... Nobody's 100% two, in week 12. It could have been two games that swing us from 6-6 six and six to 8-4 and four from a possible seven seed battling it out with the Packers and Rams to division champion. Like, that's the difference of him coming back last week versus coming back in two weeks after the bye against the Raiders. Like, it's a devastating thing for Vikings fans because, one, we've lost two games in a row. Dobbs has looked really bad the last six quarters of football. And I'm, I'm basically going, okay, we can't really judge what our ceiling is because our best player isn't there. But it's also been a disaster because there's this feeling of Lamar 2022 throughout the locker room now. Like, hey... Our number one best player who makes this whole thing go is just lingering. Like, he's not playing. He probably can play. And as we saw with tonight's performance, sometimes if you don't have your A game, if you don't have your fastball, or in this case you don't have your fastball, curveball, or changeup, you need your best player to be there and fix the problem. Like, the Niners, when they got Trent Williams and Debo Samuel back fully healthy, all of a sudden they become a fucking wagon again <laughs> after losing three games in a row. And it's like, hey, that's probably what would have happened tonight if Jefferson was lined up and you didn't have Brandon Powell playing wide receiver for 75% of snaps. Like, enormous just, difference. It's just in, the whole in, thing is like, if, if again, like if it would have come out seven-week injury, obviously no one's even batting an eye at it. But when you say three to four, and it's become now seven, by after the bye, it could be like nine weeks. Like, I don't know. Like, again, I'm not on social media anymore. Like, I'm not a Vikings. Like, I don't, I don't read the blog posts, you know, like you probably do. But, like, is anyone saying, like, he hasn't been cleared medically? Like, because the one thing I heard is, is or like you, you said, like, he's like, I'll come back when I'm ready. It's his decision is like, what comes out in the in the media and in blood. Like that's a tough – like if your doctors and your coach are like, yeah, you're good, man. And you're like, mm, I don't know if I am. Like, again, there's all, there's a very, very, very small, like, group of athletes that I – like the Tyrod Taylor thing. Remember he got the lung punctured? It's like, right. okay. Like, the doctors might have been wrong. Or like, you know – I'm sure there's been other sports where, like, just... Oh, the Trent, Trent Williams, remember he had a whole thing with Washington because they, like, misdiagnosed right. his cancer. Or, or, right. or something, like... I mean, hamstring injury, I'm no doctor. I'm, I'm not trying to pretend to be one here, but, like, <laughs> feels like not, pretty standard. Not rocket science. Like, it's like, if, the, if it's ruptured, okay, then this is all making a ton of sense. If it's a strain or a sprain like it's been reported, this is starting to feel like Lamar 2022, which... I mean, that eventually got rectified and everything's all hunky-dory and he's an MVP candidate now. But the majority of the time that you have this kind of player sitting out during the season, 
not wanting to risk injury in a contract year type situation. It blows up a locker room and it blows up long term. And had we won tonight or had we won the last two games, I would not care about any of this. I'd be like, Jefferson, come back when you're healthy. But the season is basically... My thing is like, if they start to win without him, I mean, if you're holding out for a contract, maybe you get one. But like the Vikings might go like, I mean, I would say it's kind of dumb, but like, are we going to allocate 30, 30? I mean, is he wrong to ask for, like, Nick Bosa money? You know? Not at all. Million? I mean, he's, like, you I would say he's the best. To he's the best skill position player in the NFL. It's either him or McCaffrey right now, and it's like he should be asking for that kind of money. But it's like, I mean, can you give that guy that kind of money? years ago? He got 30 a year, I think, a couple years ago. So yep. he's going, yeah, I mean, 33, 34, 35. And you're like, the Vikings, like, well, with Josh Dobbs and... Jordan Addison and a couple others, like, we won games. It's true. I think tonight was eye-opening, though. Uh, Obviously, I'm going to be more negative because the game ended 20 minutes ago, but um, Dobbs, obviously his worst game of the season for either the Vikings or the Cardinals with four picks. Uh, A couple of them were deflected, and the one-off Addison was definitely not his fault. The ball was thrown perfectly, but all that to say is, like, this was an F-minus performance by Dobbs, by O'Connell, uh, by everyone other than the defense. I mean, it was just a disaster, and obviously my blame turns to Jefferson and turns to the offense for this listless performance, but um, looking long-term now, the Vikings are heading into a bye. My note here on this game was Jim Mora playoffs? <laughs> like, I mean, it's gone from, hey, we're going to make the playoffs because the NFC sucks. Let's see what our ceiling is with Dobbs. I thought, hey, maybe we could sneak a playoff win or two. That would be a miracle, but that would be pretty cool if we finished the season like 11-6 and six or 10-7 and seven and, and won a playoff game. Wouldn't that be nice? Now it's like, playoffs? Like, we're in a battle right now with Green Bay I mean, and, and the Rams, and if we play like we did tonight in any future games, we are absolutely, you know, a, well, a worse than 50-50 shot at making it. The thing is, if you don't make the playoffs, the thing is somebody has to, and that's the thing I don't know who that team would. Like I could like so. Green Bay's could, five and six. The Rams are five okay, and six. Okay, five and six. So they get Kansas City next week. L. Five and seven. <laughs> the and, Rams play the Browns, and, so maybe they'll get a W. And yeah, the Chiefs or the Packers, excuse me, would would not have the. I mean, because you guys beat them uh, twice, right? And then right. the Saints are also five and six, and we already beat them head to head. So that's another thing working for us. And if you're, and if you're, you know, and we beat the Falcons head to head. So if they finish second in the exactly. South, so and on so. top of that, Seattle might be on a quick ticket to six and eight after this next oh. three game stretch. Yeah, so, at Dallas, at SF, home Philly, they're they're basically toast. So somebody's got to make it, and it may be us. It's just after watching today's game, unless a bunch of things get rectified, Jefferson comes back at 100%. Like, even if we do make the playoffs, we are going to get absolutely annihilated in the first round by either the Niners or Lions or Eagles somehow if they fall. Um, so, yeah, tough night. There's no other way around it. Let's hey, move to something. Hey, big picture, though, <laughs> could have tanked. Six weeks ago, and we're still talking about the playoffs. We're still talking about it. It's still With no probably... Jefferson, no Kirk Cousins. I'm saying, you know, that, that's 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 the that's NFL good entertainment. Yeah, we'll see if the Pastronaut can get back on track. <laughs> Evan texted me. It looks like the Pastronaut uh, was on board Apollo One, which for you history buffs, that's the one that blew up on the landing pad. Um, so 
I was hoping it would be Apollo 13 where there was a mechanical failure, but we somehow landed that thing. Uh, but no, it was a Apollo 1 level disaster there for the Pastronaut. Let's move to something more positive. The Niners, uh, they're back on fire. Uh, they're playing the Eagles next week. They're one and a half point favorites in Philadelphia. Those are the two best teams in the NFL in a uh, NFC Championship game rematch. Uh, the Eagles keep getting every bounce. This thing is a heavyweight bout. Um, the Niners obviously looked phenomenal uh, again last week. Uh, what are you expecting as you go into probably the biggest game of the year for the Niners at Philly? Yeah, I mean, just to start Thursday night, um, yeah, beat them 31-13. It didn't feel that close. I know Seattle kind of made it third quarter. The Niners looked terrible. The Niners thought the game was probably over at halftime, and the third quarter was awful. But other than that, um there was I a five-minute stretch where the, the Seahawks were competitive. Yeah, the other Purdy, 55 was Purdy just... Threw, Purdy, his one thing... I, I put that pick six on Kyle, mostly because he calls this pass play like close to the goal line. And one thing I will say, Purdy, and how often they use McCaffrey in the passing game, like if one and two ain't open, like he's looking for McCaffrey and you know at, as a safety valve. And, and the pass was not perfect and goes off his hands, pick six. Other than that, Purdy was sensational. Um, the throw to Ayuk, the kill shot on the touchdown, was <laughs> mm-hmm. a like a plus throw. Um, I believe at one point the yards were like one fifty nine to zero, uh, <laughs> and I mean Geno Smith. I'm not sure he was healthy, but even when he's been healthy, like Evans said, he hasn't been good. Might be time to write back. Um, Although he did make the point that Drew Locke is probably the worst quarterback in the history of the world, so he said it's Geno's job for the rest of the year. I mean, might be, um, but I mean a little. I mean, obviously, I'm not upset that Seattle might not be as good as I thought they were, but I really thought Seattle was a top two or three team in the conference, and just, just based on roster, right? We thought roster talent would get them to eleven or twelve wins, but they, I they, thought they Leonard were... Williams and Bobby Wagner would help them. Stop the run, but the, I mean the Niners ran for I think 160, 170 on like, and it just and it could have been more. <laughs> yeah, I um, they had the fumble on special teams. Um, yeah, the Niners they got after Geno Smith. I think they had six sacks. Um, yeah, I mean when everyone's healthy and they're playing well, I I've said it ever since like the Dallas game. I believe the Niners are the best team in the league, and the line this week. I mean the Niners are in Philly, they're ten and one. In Philly, and they're one and a half point favorite. Mm-hmm. I I was shocked, but if I wasn't a fan of the team, and like I, I don't want to be wrong and sad, you know. <laughs> right, like me tonight when I bet on the Vikings. Nothing. Yeah, more. I don't want to be wrong and sad, but like if I wasn't a fan, like the Niners are better. The Niners, when have they have been rolling, are the best team in the league, in my opinion. I I just I I've seen when they win. I mean, they just dominate. I, I, I mean, the Seahawks came into last week, uh, the game against the Rams, at 6-3 uh, and three and looking at possibly, you know, being competitive for the division, being a guaranteed playoff team, and then they played the Rams and had a tough game, and then they played the Niners, and it was like, th- that was JV, the Ram game. And then the Niner game was varsity. Like, from the second the game started, I texted you like three minutes into the game, I'm like, this is going to be an ass-kicking. It's just it's crazy because ever since like Geno Smith's been a great story, obviously rectifying his career. But the Niners have played Seattle four times since they've traded Russell Wilson, and we can mock that trade all we want. The Niners are four now against Seattle, mm-hmm. and basically and, my point and is, zero and one against Russell Wilson. <laughs> exactly, 
<laughs> my point is the boogeyman is gone. Yeah. Like all those times it was Seattle and the twelves and Pete. No, it was Russ. Like when Russ did to the Vikings, like that shit happened all the time. Like just you just dominate the game and then whoop, 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 spin around in the pocket, lollipop fifty yards down the field, and it's like woo, like let's ride. That's gone. <laughs> like that's gone. Like And it is the Niners division for the foreseeable it, future. I, I, I'm, there's no way Seattle can compete with them. There's no way the Rams can compete with them going forward, and Arizona's a tire fire. So uh, looking at next week, you said you were a little bit surprised they were favored by one and a half. But again, this goes to your narrative of when you're healthy and firing all, on all cylinders, you should be favored against everybody in every stadium. The prob- the thing that I just, I'm just, this game is so interesting. I mean, it, it should arguably be the best NFL game. This year, I mm-hmm. just with the Chiefs maybe being a little bit down, Buffalo has cratered. No Joe Burrow. Like the AFC, what we maybe thought it was, isn't. You could argue maybe the Philly Dallas games could be. But with the game last year with Purdy's injury, and I mean, you're already starting to hear it today, like the back and forth of the talking between the two teams. Like this should be like. The, this is the game we didn't get to see last year. And the we crazy thing is, it. the crazy thing. Is like this is a big game. Obviously, Niners have to win it if they have any any hope of getting home field. Right. Um, even if they do win, still, it, 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 they need some help. But whoever wins is going to have to beat them again. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. So like you win or what lose we've Sunday, seen from Detroit, there's no way that it's not going. to I was huge on Detroit. We'll get to Detroit. That was pitiful. Like. Win These are the two best teams, not game. only in the like, I, NFC, I thought, but in the I thought NFL. Thanksgiving, and then not to go on a tangent on Detroit, but Thanksgiving, and then their home opener after they beat the Chiefs against Seattle. And, like, Seattle might turn out to be, like, like an 8-9 team with their schedule. at the Like, is that your biggest win? Like, the Chiefs, like, they got rolled by Baltimore. Whatever. Right. Baltimore's really good. But I just haven't seen Dallas beat anyone worth a squirt. So it's really Philly and I. I just have a hard time seeing anyone else in the NFC Championship game other than Philly and the Niners. It would have to be maybe a fluke. Dallas. It would have to be one of those games where Dallas. I think maybe Dallas runs. could beat Philly in the playoffs because they've played Philly competitively. Division games are always tougher, but um, so that's the crazy thing. You could the Niners could win Sunday, and it's like okay, cool. You're gonna have to beat them again, <laughs> like right. Um, and if Philly wins and they're eleven and one, they basically wrap up the one seed in the NFC, and it's like, okay, cool, you got to do that again in January. Like yeah. this one doesn't the, the, really matter. The best that thing much. I can say about Philly is like they're ten and one, and I feel like they looked like crap relative <laughs> to being ten and one. They played like crap for three quarters, right? Against and Buffalo. the Dallas game, they they did not look good. You know, the Vikings but the, but game. I don't know if that's like a really good, good thing I could say about them or bad. Like they're ten, like they look like terrible. They look terrible. They're ten and one. So that either means they're getting fortunate or like look out when they actually hit on all cylinders. Like this, this could be the best team in the league, which very well could be. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty big game Sunday. Pretty big game. Uh, obviously, with the Niners being healthy and the Eagles, I think just last thing on that yeah, game goes overtime, late window, Sunday. Niners have been off since Thursday. Could help. Niners added rest. That's why we're leaning towards them in the picks of the week later. 
Uh, let's start with next week's games. We'll do a quick run through of those and then get to your Jack in the Bum of the Week. Uh, Thursday Night Football, Seattle at Dallas. Um, Dallas favored by eight and a half. Uh, Seattle's teetering. The schedule only gets worse. Uh, it feels like this is a game that obviously Dallas has to have if they have any hope of getting the uh, NFC uh, East crown uh, by beating the Eagles and then maybe getting some help from the Niners. Um, but for the Seahawks, this is a must win. I mean, they're they're going to lose at SF. They're going to lose against Philly in all likelihood. Like, they have to have this one, or I guess they have to somehow beat Philly in Seattle in, in uh, week 15. But um, this is a game on Thursday night that's actually got some playoff implications. We have had some tough Thursday night games recently. Um, this is a good one. Um, obviously, a uh, tough one for you know us as Vikings and Niners fans to figure out who the hell we're rooting for. Like I think I want Dallas to win so that Seattle is further behind us in the standings and we got a good shot at the well, wild card. I'm but if, for Dallas, so you. Yeah, I, I'm definitely rooting for Dallas. But again, maybe if Dallas loses and somehow Seattle stays in it, we can find our way to the fifth seed. Very unlikely with how we've been playing lately. Um, so in that game, I mean, Thursday night, any any lean for you? I obviously think Dallas is blowing everybody out recently, but this is the first game against a halfway decent team for them in like yeah, that's a month and a half. Is, is, yeah, it's their first game against, you know, decent. But Dallas at home has been a juggernaut. I, I think they said this on the Thanksgiving broadcast. They haven't lost at home since like week four of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak is just insane at home. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't want to sound like I just hate the guy, but some of these stats are against just pathetic teams. But he is doing the job very well right now. He statistically uh, should be in the MVP conversation, but people are wise to point out that all of his stats are coming against crap teams. Um, yeah, so this is one. Uh, Seattle is a good team. Uh, should be, but... Um, yeah, just the way Geno's playing, if he even is healthy, um, Dallas at home, I, I, I think Dallas wins. Um, but it, it it's a must-win for Seattle. They, I mean, they have to win it because the, the schedule only gets harder. Yeah, they're looking at 8-9 and nine or possibly even worse uh, if they lose the next three. Uh, like they, I mean, they're going to be at least 8.5-point dogs in all three of those games, so tough for Seattle. Um, sorry, Ev. Hopefully they'll make the playoffs, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's move into the uh, Sunday games. Um, let's start with Detroit at New Orleans. Um, that's probably the biggest one for, for folks watching the playoff race of the 10 a.m. games. Uh, Detroit's favored by 4.5, which is a pretty large number on the road in New Orleans, which is a notoriously tough place to play. Um, this is a huge chance for the other NFC contenders. So, like, if you're Philly, if you're the Niners, you know, if you're – um, Dallas, whoever, you're looking at this and you're going, hey, if Detroit slips up here, they officially have a problem. So this will be a big one in the early window. Um, I definitely lean New Orleans plus four and a half. I think if this was three, I probably wouldn't play it. But um, Detroit's on a little bit of a slide right now. They are, but what I've seen from the Saints recently, the Saints could be, <laughs> Derek Carr looks like crap. Um, they look better with Taysom Hill running in there. The Saints... Should be a lot better than what they are. Um, so, yeah, I would expect Detroit to... I honestly would expect Detroit to win because I do think they're better. But, yeah, Detroit, back-to-back weeks have just kind of um, underwhelmed. Uh, it's an understatement. And, yeah, Especially on defense. I mean, this, but the Saints, I just... I mean, they could be... 
other than maybe Buffalo, the, the most disappointing team of 23, um, they're not getting their money's worth with Derek Carr. I mean, they, they just they couldn't beat Atlanta. I a C minus performance by Atlanta too by Ritter and they still couldn't win. They didn't. I believe they lost by nine. Yeah, twenty four yeah. fifteen. They weren't even close. Yeah, yeah, they're. I don't know what to make of it. It's a big game. Detroit has absolutely. To win it. Uh, Detroit is in danger of. I mean, I think the furthest they fall is the third seed. I I, I still think they hang win the division. Um. But you don't want to go to SF or to Philly in, in round two uh, if you have any hope I, I, of contending. That's my thing though is like they better worry about round one. Like right, I mean they'll have the home the home game, but you just got worked by the Packers with home. an epic home crowd on Thanksgiving. That was like the the most hopping the atmosphere. Probably the biggest and they Thanksgiving game of my lifetime in Detroit. Biggest, maybe the biggest home game Detroit seen in years, and. Thud. Yeah, they were down twenty to six in the first quarter of that game. Like Seattle, playing. Seattle could be a seven seed, like even eight and nine, nine and eight, with how bad the NFC is. Uh, seven seed, maybe Detroit holds off the Niners. Am I picking Detroit to beat Seattle in a playoff <laughs> game? I don't. I mean, Seattle already went there once. We're gonna learn a lot about Detroit because they go. I believe it's at the Saints. And then their other two road games are at the Vikings and at Dallas uh, towards the end of the year. So we'll find out if they're for real or not. Right now, I lead towards New Orleans with that big of a spread. Um, another decent game we got on Sunday is Denver at Houston. It's a sneaky great game. Um, this might decide the six or the seven seed in the AFC. Denver's won five in a row. It's official. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson are out of the Jack and the Bum of the Week consideration for the uh, for the future. Um, so they've looked really good. And then Houston, they're favored by three here. They were not great against Jacksonville, but I still think they're a, a player there in the AFC for that seven seed. That's probably the second best game um, for next Sunday. It's not a great slate. There's a lot of bad teams playing. Um, do you lean either way there? I kind of think Houston minus three would be the play. It's not going to make my my picks, but I think they are better than what they showed last week, and I think Denver is much worse than they've shown in the last five weeks. They've been very lucky with the turnovers. i got to give credit. I mean, Denver has – I mean, I I didn't think they'd win another five games maybe the next two years at the <laughs> way they started the season. So to win five in a row um, – Vance Joseph has turned that defense around completely. Um, I don't. I, I mean, I think the Texans kind of walk out of bed and score 24, 28 points. But mm-hmm. and I, I just have. Den- I just feel like Denver. That's hard for them to get that that many. Um, but since the seventy burger, they've uh, allowed fifteen point five points per game. Incredible turnaround. Um, probably yeah. led by having a good running game and Russell Wilson uh, keeping the ball a ton because that seems to be their M.O. They really dominated Cleveland in that game last week, so I'm going to stay away from that one. I do lean Houston, but I'm not going to bet that one. Um, other games of consequence, you got Cleveland at the Rams. Uh, the Rams are favored by 4.5. I'm going to that game. Uh, our friend from Pickleball gave us tickets, so Jamie and I are going with him, and that's going to be a blast to finally see SoFi Stadium in person. Um, so I'm excited about that. It's going to be a tough one just because it looks like it's going to be either P.J. Walker or get this Joe Flacco 
starting for Cleveland in this game against uh, Matthew Stafford and the suddenly resurgent Rams who, with this win, would move into a tie with the Vikings and likely Seahawks after they lose to Dallas uh, for those final two playoff spots. So uh, that's a decent one on Sunday. I was surprised it was four and a half because it was one before Dorian Thompson Robinson was ruled out for the game. So clearly they think Walker or Flacco suck. Uh, that's a tough game to, to, to guess, but I think they're guess. I guess they're just saying Cleveland's defense that they thought was epic just gave up 29 to Denver, so maybe they're they're looking to fade them there. But uh, I'll be at that game, so I'll, I'll give us a report on that one next week. Um, let's talk just a little bit about Pittsburgh and Miami. So uh, Pittsburgh hosts Arizona. Miami goes to Washington. They're both big favorites. Um, Pittsburgh, they fired Matt Canada. They finally put up some offense. Man, could this be a fraudulent team? They got four really, really easy games starting with Arizona. They could be eleven and four, and I'm pretty sure they suck, right? Yeah, they <laughs> suck. They suck big time. Uh, but they did look better. I think it was the first time they put up 400 yards uh, in like four or five years. Uh, and uh, yeah, since Roethlisberger was a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really don't know what to make of Pittsburgh. I, I, I think their defense is really good. I, I, I watched a good, good amount of the Pittsburgh Cincinnati game Sunday, yesterday, and it feels like every time I watch Pittsburgh, TJ Watt has like three sacks and, and, and looks like the biggest force in football. Um, but yeah, Kenny Pickett, their, their running game, um, Deontay Johnson's getting into fight with his own teammates. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they – they play really good defense. But offensively, I just don't know what they consistently do well. The, well, I mean, the answer is nothing. But, um, yeah, I mean, the record is – they are who we thought they were. They're, I mean, they could be. I mean, they could win the division. As good as Baltimore's been, right. uh, Pittsburgh's already beat them once. And I think their final game of the year is Baltimore. Right. So, if they're anywhere near it, like, I think the Ravens still play, uh, I know they play the Niners, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good segue into Miami. So, Miami plays, I believe they play Baltimore in either week 15 or week 16 before then Baltimore goes to San Francisco. So, it's like, Miami now, uh, they control oh, their own Baltimore destiny for. Miami? I believe so. Yeah, they do. Um, um, so it's like Miami really controls their own destiny Holy at this crap, point, dude. which is shocking. So Baltimore like, must be on a bye. They are on a bye this week. Yeah, and they get the Rams. I mean, Rams need need every game they can get, but I mean, frisky. But then they finish at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, Miami, and Pittsburgh. That is rough, and that's why I'm saying, hey, Miami. By the way, they're minus nine at Washington this week, so they'll win that one. They get to play another terrible team after they beat the Jets uh, the week prior uh, on the Black Friday game, which was just a blowout. Um, I think Miami, all of a sudden, with Baltimore having that tough schedule, with KC maybe not firing on all cylinders, all of a sudden they have the chance to take that Baltimore spot and be like, we are the new 
Chiefs. We're the team that's actually going to host a freaking AFC championship game other than the Chiefs for the first time in six years. Like, I hope McDaniel takes it and runs with it, but this is another game this week where they play a crappy team, and I can't really learn much about them. We're going to learn when they play Baltimore later in the year. Um, But, you know, Miami, after watching them just roll against the Jets last week, you have to be thinking, hey, that's a possible, you know, Super Bowl contender. They should be 11-3 and after the next three games because they play Washington, Tennessee, and the Jets. So... But then they finished Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo. <laughs> and Buffalo will be playing for that for sure. They'll be like playing for the seventh seed. Yeah. And, I mean, they only played them once already. And, I mean, Buffalo, I mean, just ran them off the field. So, and that game is in Baltimore. Could be a little weather game. I don't know how Tua and Miami's track, track team are going to handle that. Um, mm-hmm. And they played Dallas. And, I mean... That game's in Miami, though, so. Um, so, e- easy next three weeks, but we'll find out later in the year whether they're a true contender. Um, Kansas City's in, on Sunday Night Football at Green Bay. Uh, the Chiefs are back on track uh, with an easy 31-17 win against the Raiders. They were down 14 nothing, and then just decided, hey, time to put this uh, Antonio Pierce, Aiden O'Connell team away, and they did. Um, they're minus six at Green Bay. So Green Bay, they're alive in the wild card race after winning three out of the last four. Uh, they looked really good on Thanksgiving. They went from an afterthought team to, hey, in the bad NFC, they're right back in it. Um, I don't really see any way Green Bay is competitive in this one. Uh, they're not going against that Lions defense that leaks like a sieve. They're going against the KC defense, which has actually been really freaking good this year. Um, I really want to bet Kansas City in this game. Anything to talk me off of that? Nope. Yeah, your favorite Packers. <laughs> Great I mean, analysis. I mean, I will say this. I will. I like to give credit where it's due. Jordan Love looked fantastic against Detroit. Um, especially that first couple drives. I'm like, oh, what? Where, where has this been? Like, yeah. he's doing the arm angles, everything. I mean, he looked, I mean, very accurate. You're like, okay. Like, with Kenny Pickett, I'm like, what is his ceiling like? <laughs> Never seen it once. Like, when Kenny Pickett's on, you're like, okay, he's the 19th best quarterback in the league. When Jordan Love looks on, when he's on, he could look like a top 10 guy. Like, yeah. if he's consistently like, but it's just, it's been two games all year. I think <laughs> last two games. But yeah. and Detroit's pass defense is horrendous. But still, big spot. Thanksgiving short week. Um, Detroit went to Green Bay on a short week on a Thursday night early in the year, and Detroit um, ran all over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so to do it in Detroit, I, I mean, looked good. But again, Kansas City much better defense. I believe they, that's that's in Kansas City, right? Yeah. Oh uh, no, it's in Green oh, Bay. It's in Green Bay. Yeah, that's right. It's in Green Bay. Uh, still, uh, he's not, they're not beating the Chiefs, no chance. Yeah, I like KC there. And then Monday Night Football, Cincy at Jacksonville. Jacksonville favored by eight. Uh, before the season, this looked like a mouth-watering matchup. Now with Burrow out for the year with the wrist surgery. Um, not necessarily a great matchup there with Jake Browning taking over. But Jacksonville, I wanted to bring up, they're also eight and three, just like Miami, just like Kansas City. Uh, they're a half game behind Baltimore for the one seed. 
I guess it's still that I have the bad taste in my mouth from them getting absolutely murdered by the Niners. But, like, what is Jacksonville? Like, are they a team that could beat KC in a playoff game? Or is this just well, kind of a fraudulent 8-3? and three? Their biggest win, people thought was Buffalo, I guess, mm-hmm. in London, which the game should have been in Buffalo. Um Buffalo, that, that win doesn't look as good, I guess, a couple weeks later. They already lost to Kansas City. Yeah, they got steamrolled by the Niners. Um, yeah, I, I don't know uh, what they are. Because they don't feel like... They don't feel like they're in the same class as the other 8-3 and three AFC teams. Absolutely not. I mean, they've, they've gotten fat on all these bad teams, and it's like... People want to put them up there because they have the quarterback in his third year and rookie contract. So it's like, you know, they have a lot of talent around him. They have the the supposed pieces with, um, you know, with Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning coach there, and pretty good skill position players in Ridley and Kirk and Etienne. But I mean, their wins, their wins this year. Colts, okay. Well, they're a playoff team. I mean, I guess that's okay. Colts. Atlanta, Buffalo, Colts again, Saints, Steelers, which I don't care what the record is, their ass. <laughs> Tennessee and Houston. Okay, the win at Houston, I'll give them credit. Saw Not a decent bad. win. Yeah. Losses. Kansas City, Houston at home, and the Niners, which wasn't close. But then but then they still they get the Bengals with no Burrow. Browns with no Deshaun, which I guess then might who even cares? But <laughs> Then they play Baltimore. Then they get Tampa, Carolina, and Tennessee. I mean, they might not play a team. They right. could go 12-5, and 13-4, and four, and much like the Steelers, just not be very good. Like, this is a wild season, man, no matter how we look at it. There's teams with good records that suck. There's teams with bad records that are pretty good. Like, it's very you know bizarre. What I, was thinking, I keep thinking about it. I was like, Philly's like 10-1. and one. Like, who'd they lose to? Like, they lose to, like, Dallas? Like, <laughs> I'm like, they lost to the Jets. The With Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson Jets. I'm Welcome like, to the huh? 2023 NFL season. And by the way, on this podcast, we had the Jets in that game. Like, just to show you how freaking lucky we've been this year to to be 11 games over 500 on our picks. It's a wild season, man. I think the closer we get to the playoffs, the more we'll learn. But at this point, really, all I know is the Niners and Eagles are the I'm two pre- best teams. That's what I was just about. To say. I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. I would take. The Niners and Philly over any team right now. I'd take them over Kansas City. I'd take them over Miami. The thing I though is, like Baltimore, you know. like Lamar's record against NFC teams is like seventeen or eighteen and one. Like they just don't see him, and he just so like a head to head potentially. Like, well, I guess we'll see it. We'll see Niners Ravens at Levi's at Christmas. Is that a Monday night game? Yeah. That is going to be a yeah, bonkers it's Monday, game. Yeah, it's Monday night, Christmas day. Christmas day night at Levi's oh, with Buckingham and Lamar and comes to... That is going to be one of the games of the year. As if the Niners haven't had enough you know, national exposure this year. Uh, the, Niners, still got... the Niners got two games. They got Philly this week and Baltimore. The other games, like, I mean, they should beat Seattle at home. They should roll Arizona. They should roll Washington. I'm trying to think who else they play. They... They play the Rams at home. They, they should beat them. Like, they got two yeah. games to, so like, okay, we're healthy. Make a statement. Like, let's see what – because early in the season we beat Pittsburgh, who, again, I think is ass. Rams, Arizona, the Giants. And then uh, they they 
dog walked to Dallas on Sunday night. So, like, the Dallas game, I was going to say the two Seattle games, but just, like, I mean, they just haven't been competitive. But I still, I'm going to say the Seattle home game, the Philly this week, probably the biggest, and then Baltimore. Yeah, a bunch of great games coming up. I mean, they've got their two biggest games of the year, uh, both uh Probably going to be like the most watched game that week. Definitely this week. That'll be America's game of the week. And then the Monday night one against Baltimore. Um, let's head over to the Jack and the Bum of the week. I, I'll say every week that we have great candidates. But this week felt particularly good just because there was a wide variety of bumdom like you had. I put bum-dum. Deontay Johnson on here. I mean, Deontay Johnson, we don't get a bum like that often where a guy just completely quits. Like, since maybe Antonio Brown when he was on the Buccaneers and just left the game at halftime and took his shirt off. Like, you know, if we were around as a podcast back then, that would have been a shoe-in. But you don't have plays this often where a guy just completely gives up. Like, all 21 other guys on the field are busting ass to get the ball. And this guy's just standing there like, oh, nobody touched me. Like, he had to be on the list even though... Pittsburgh won the game like he had a dust up with Minka Fitzpatrick earlier in the week in practice like that guy is on thin ice there with Mike Tomlin so he makes it Um, Belichick of course I mean they lost to Tommy DeVito like he's a routine entrant onto the Jack of the Bum of the Week rankings but we can't pick him every week although we are two and nine now so Um, Justin Herbert's on there when are you gonna win a big game dude haven't seen it you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're in year four. Like, when is it going to happen? I haven't seen it yet. Like, Sunday night football, just tire fire. Um, the Lions defense, they're a perennial candidate on here. The team's eight and three, but like you said, no signature wins. Defense is leaking like a sieve. They gave up a ton of points uh, to the Bears, and then they gave up a ton of points to the Packers. Like, I get those are division games, but unacceptable. And then late entrance, Josh Dobbs, four picks. Justin Jefferson, where the fuck are you? Um, <laughs> but you're going in a different direction for your Jack and the Bum of the Week. Yeah, Jack and the Bum of the Week, like you said, great candidates. Um, we're going to kind of go back to where a team that's had uh, some bums. Not this guy, but um, been a complete bummer of a year for this squad. But uh, the Bum of the Week is their their leader, owner David Tepper. Um Firing Frank Wright, he's not a bum for firing Frank Wright. Could end up being the right move. But he's on here because ever, pretty much ever since he took over, they've been just a turnstile of everything. And they have no identity. He's one of those owners that has way too many, has way too much input on the day-to-day, um, you know, dealings. Uh, he's super rich. Doesn't help you win. Um, if any sport tells us that, baseball, like, you can pay for any, anyone you want. Ain't gonna, you know, matter too much in wins and losses. But I, just Carolina has just been, I mean, no civility, no no identity, no nothing. And, 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 and he's an owner that likes to talk to the media, too. And I think he also got into, I'm not gonna say hot water, but something was up with, like, practice or something. Stadium like that that he didn't get funding or something and he pulled the plug on that I believe I could be totally wrong. I um, want to pull up a tweet that I saw during Monday Night Football tonight when people were just I think it was during halftime and they were like Hey I got to get this one out so uh, this guy at Jack Kennedy he tweeted Here's basically the last five years since David Tepper took over in Carolina uh, third round pick on Will Greer 
uh, signed Teddy Bridgewater for $33 million guaranteed, cut Cam Newton, traded a second, fourth, and sixth for Sam Darnold, then traded Bridgewater for a sixth, pick up Darnold's $18.85 million option, signed Cam Newton again, spent a third-round pick on Matt Corral, traded for Baker Mayfield, cut Baker Mayfield, cut Cam Newton, drafted Young over Stroud, and then fired Frank Reich after 11 games. That's the last five years for, for Panthers fans. That's bum of the Not week. Not great. Baby. <laughs> Not great. It's one of those that's like, like I think about it all the time with my sharks. You know, like the you know the older guys. Like if some of those guys came back, like would they be like the best players on the team? I'm like Carolina. I'm like if Cam Newton played the quarterback this year, would they like have three wins or like <laughs> four? And I mean, you could put it on the GM because the the trade is just looking. Oh. I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to say this to absolve my squad of probably one of the worst trades ever to move up to draft Trey Lance, but this could be worse. Oh, it is worse. I think I think it absolutely is worse, especially when you combine it with the totality of all the other stuff. Trading away Christian McCaffrey, you know, like they said, signing Bridgewater and Darnold and Mayfield and Cam and you know, giving up all these picks for Donald. It's like, like it's what crazy to get rid of McCaffrey. Out of all the moves they made, that that one made the most sense to me. <laughs> to trade like, a Hall like of Fame caliber player, but the, but the guy was he. I mean, he was hurt. I mean, as a Niner fan, I was like, that's a lot for a guy who's perennially on IR. And they, you know, they got a two, a three, a four, and I think a five. We gave up. I mean, everything but a one. But in this market, you're not really giving up ones for expensive injured running backs. So I thought that trade – and just Carolina was going nowhere with them. But, like, if you're going to draft a quarterback number one, you probably should have him, like, not on an island. I think Bryce Young, looking at him in a vacuum, has not been good at all. But his offensive line is terrible. His best receiver is Adam Thielen, who's having a decent year, but what are we doing? And <laughs> – and uh, Miles Sanders has been a bust. Yeah. And they're just there. So if you're going to invest in Bryce Young, you have to invest in him. And with resources, with coaching, with everything, and it's just been nothing. He's had no help. Um, and, yeah, I, I just everything, ever since that guy's taken over the team, they're just – He's another one of those owners. Arguably could be the worst run team in the NFL. Yeah, he came in after Jerry Richardson passed away, and they were like, oh, this is the savior of the franchise. This guy has big money. He's going to make big money moves, and it's like it has been a disaster since he's I I don't get that argument when there's a cap. Right. (laughs) What are you going to do with, like, if you had, like, if Jeff Bezos owned the team, like, he doesn't operate in a different salary cap. Yeah, you might have the most expensive water bottles. Like at the facility, <laughs> or like your grass might be greener than the other thirty-one teams on your practice facility. But like, guess what? You have to operate under the cap, so you better you better hire the people who understand how to utilize that money and allocate it properly. Or it's else... the same situation as as the Mets with their new owner Steve Cohen, where it was like he's going to solve everything, even though they there is no cap in baseball. He spent something like three hundred and sixty million last year to win seventy-seven games. So like. 
it's not all money in, in these sports leagues. Like owners figure it's going to be just like big business. It is not. Like you got to hire the right people, and a lot of it is how the ball bounces and whether you make good trades or not. It's not all you know numbers. I'm looking and at sense. it now, but yeah, that trade. I mean, if they would have taken uh, C.J. Stroud, like it's worth it, right? It could end up basically being Bryce Young for you know. The oppor- they first of all they lose the opportunity to draft Stroud. They also lose the opportunity to draft either Caleb Williams or Drake May, and they traded away DJ Moore and two first rounders who ended up being you know pretty decent players. So it's like could go down as a, the Herschel Walker trade of the 21st century. We will see. So there's uh, David Tepper, Joey's Jack, and the bum of the week. Uh, let's head over to my you like that picks. Uh, we had a two two and one week last week, so 500. A uh, little bit of a bounce back from our one and four the week prior. Uh, we remain at 11 games over 500. We're 34, 23, and 3 uh, so far this year through 12 weeks. Let's try to expand on that. Let's try. I, my goal now for the end of the year is to see if we can get to 20 games over 500. I know that would be crazy, and in some like pick contests that you do in Vegas, that would be enough to like finish in the money and win some prizes. So that's our goal. Uh, we had a good year last year, I believe. Last year uh, we went 25, 15, and five. So like this year, I'm like. Let's expand upon it. Let's get to 20 over 500 after we were 10 over last year. Uh, I'll start with New Orleans plus 4.5. At home, backs against the wall in a bad division. But, I mean, Detroit's defense is officially super sus uh, for me. So I I feel comfortable there with New Orleans plus 4.5. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think this is a game where you just feed Kamara just over and over and let him take over. Um, I like Indy minus 2 at Tennessee. I thought that line would be at least three, if not more. Indy is playing for the playoffs. Um, Steichen is a coach of the year candidate. He's been great so far. I like them at Tennessee. Um, Cleveland and the Rams, the game I'm going to, uh, I really think under 40 is a solid bet there. It's going to be either Flacco or P.J. Walker or maybe by some miracle Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And I just feel like this is a game that's going to be low scoring. I feel this can be like, a, I don't know, 20 to 13 type game. So I like the under there. Here's the one that you might be worried about. I like the Niners minus one and a half on the road at Philly. Um, it's going to move to three. I think it has moved to three at a couple sports books uh, really? where yes. they're just they're terrified of everyone and their mother betting SF. So they're like, we got to get some Philly money in here um, early in the week. So I like SF minus one and a half. Get it while it's there because it's moving to three. Um, and then Kansas City minus six on Sunday night football. Um, so there they are. You like that picks of the week for week 13 in the NFL. Uh, we got New Orleans plus four and a half, Indy minus two, Cleveland and the Rams um, under 40, and then the Niners minus one and a half, and Kansas City minus six on Sunday Night Football. Joey, it's time for your Feels Great Babe, your wildest take you feel best about currently. And we were just talking about New Orleans, Atlanta, and Tampa, and you have a theory on how that's all going to shake out. Yeah, uh, this is going to be a weird number just because with the NFL going to 17 games, but I think the NFC South champion goes to the playoffs at 7-10. and 10. And The worst team ever to make the playoffs. Yeah, I just... They're horrible. All of them. I mean, right now, the champ is what? Atlanta at 5-6? and six? Mm-hmm. So, looking at their schedule... Yeah... I mean, they'll, okay, they beat the Jets. and They're not beating the Colts. But then they play, like, the Saints, Bucks, Panthers. Still, like, they're all going to beat each other up. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all 5-6, five 5-6. Six, five six. 
So really, I think it's just Atlanta. I mean, Tampa Bay is four and seven. I, Tampa Bay's done. I mean, well, I guess they're not only one game back. <laughs> I, they would probably have to go like what four and one to have a shot there for four, or uh, I guess that would be four and two at least. So to get to eight and nine, so that they would have a shot. I mean, eight and nine. If you're one of those teams, you probably take that right now. Hell yes. <laughs> I mean, eight and eight and nine sounds a lot better than seven and ten. <laughs> the double digits on the loss. We it's, almost had that last year, right? I mean, Tampa won the division at eight and nine. Yeah, but it was like different because they had like just won a Super Bowl recently. And they still had Brady, and it was like, okay, like, they're a real team, it felt like, even though they weren't. Like, they were terrible. This one's like, is Desmond, Desmond Ritter going to have NFC South champ on his resume? <laughs> he's going to host a playoff he's gonna be, game. He's going to host a playoff game and have been benched, like, twice in the same year. Like, are is that we gonna co- have like whoever's the- you know what's a wilder take is the NFC South champ is gonna finish seven and ten and no matter what that coach gets fired for winning his division. <laughs> I mean, if it's Smith, if it's Allen, if it's Bowles, all three of those guys are candidates to get fired after this. You season, can win the division, win the division and get division fired. That almost happened to Ron Rivera a few years ago when they went seven and nine uh, with the with Washington and won the division with Heineke in that playoff game, and they, a lot of people were like, "Hey." Probably should let him go. No, he's still there somehow. So you're, you're saying the NFC uh, South champ goes seven and ten? That is just a godsend for Dallas. <laughs> they would love that. They'd probably be 10, 12, 13 and a half point favorites in a playoff game. Dallas already. might. Dallas. I mean, they're going to try and win the division. Obviously, still they still got Philly one more time, and you know who knows what happens if the Niners beat Philly. And Philly, I think, still has a tough schedule. A little bit. Yeah, they got to play at Seattle, at Dallas, at the Niners, so they got some tough ones there. So yeah, but they they might just be better off finishing fifth again, and just going to Atlanta, going to New Orleans, and crushing them. That's that way. Dak and McCarthy and everyone gets to say you win a playoff game. <laughs> probably and, gets yeah, probably gets them both another year. And then like, if everything holds serve, you go to Philly, and then like either way. You, you win a playoff game. Like if you lose to Philly, who ends up Philly, Philly might finish. I mean, what? Like at worst, do they finish? I mean, at worst, they finish fourteen and three. Mm-hmm. Worst, probably fifteen and two or better. You, you lose that game, people might get to keep their jobs. Right. Because they can't afford to lose another playoff game to the Niners. So. Uh, NFC South champ. NFC South. They shouldn't even get T-shirts. They shouldn't even get hats and T-shirts. <laughs> send them. Send them to send whatever them like, country. Send them like a yeah. coffee mug. Yeah, yeah. Although you always see those, you know, images of some village in in Africa where all the the people have like, you know, Broncos twenty thirteen oh. Super Bowl champions shirt. Oh, like, I <laughs> Kayla's, just send all of, all of the. Kayla's cousin <laughs> Jake loves to send me those. He, like he was following the base of the World Series, and he, he sees these memes of like um, these people, countries getting shipped like Arizona Diamondbacks, like World Series champs. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? I bet those countries think the Sharks are a juggernaut. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> like, do you know how many do you know how many T-shirts they have of the Sharks? Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> They're probably like, they are the best team ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there it is. Joey's got the NFC South champ going 7-10. and 10. Uh, Let's close the pod. I want to discuss um, how we would fix NFL pregame and postgame shows and game broadcasts. Sometimes we have problems with you know, the quality of the pregame shows, the quality of the broadcasts themselves. And what made me think of this was the whole Carissa Thompson fiasco from the last couple of weeks where she went on Aaron Andrews' podcast and basically admitted that she would make stuff up in her sideline reports just because the coaches didn't give her anything and nobody would call her out on it because it was such generic stuff that she would say. She would be like, yeah, the coach said uh, we need to run the ball better and uh, establish uh, the ground game in the second half. Like, nobody's going to fact check that because nobody cares. But it brought me to the point of every freaking comment on every one of these stories about Carissa Thompson and, you know, Tracy Wolfson quote tweeted her and was like, I take my job seriously. How dare you? Wait, see, like, wait, was, hold on. See, was... I, see, we need to start with this. I want to start with the Carissa thing because I, I like this topic. Um, am I just like. I don't know if, if I'm a bad person, but just like, I just didn't really, it didn't bother me that she admitted she made shit up. Well, that's what I was going to say is every comment under like, every, like every one of these. I don't these, think the coaches want to, like, we all know the coaches don't want to talk to her. The comment is always, we don't get anything from those anyway. Like, nobody cares anyway. That was the, the takeaway from everything is like, all the journalists on social media were very mad at Carissa Thompson for like shitting on their industry and being like, I make shit up and nobody cares. But then all the people who watched the broadcast said, I don't care that she said that. I don't care what sideline reporters ever say other than injury updates. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, so, I like, guess, where guess, do you fall on I it? guess maybe that's my whole point is, like, th- it makes sense that the reporters are trying to, like, keep hold of, like, the, I guess, integrity of the role of the position. And my, my point is, like, your role is pointless. Like... I'm sorry. Like, I just, it shouldn't even have your role. I, you know, it, it's, I don't get it. I, like, I, I, even the one that's happened before the game, like I was watching, um, I don't know, out of all the games, I was watching the Ohio State Michigan Saturday morning, and they got, they had the Fox crew, so they had their number one, they had their uh, uh, Jenny Taft, and they had Tom Rinaldi. Um, one interviewed the, the Michigan coach. Um, uh, I shouldn't remember his name because the dude just won three games. I think it's Sharon Moore. I know he's got my last name. It's uh, it's Moore, but I think Sharon something like I think it's Sharon Sharon Moore. And then they had Ryan Day, and uh, Tom Rinaldi's like interviewing Ryan Day. I was obviously this is the biggest game of this dude's life. Like he's just like. Hey Ryan, so like if, if Ohio State like looks ready to play, like what do you see the first like couple like drive here? Like what do you see? What 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 tells you the team's ready? He's like, oh we're ready. It's all he said. I'm just like, I love you, Tom, but like, what are we doing what, here? Yeah. Like, what do we gain from that? I just so my whole thing with Chris is like, I guess I kind of assumed you made shit up, like. Like how hard or how easy would it be to say, yeah, you know, coach said like disappointed. We got to play better both sides of the ball, and just intensity's got to be up. We got to play complementary football. Like, yeah, you know, we got it's going to be a dogfight in the second half. Just fill it with but this, cliches. But this That's, goes into my point of what your question is. What we're talking about is I like how to fix this stuff. My number one thing to fix all of them 
we don't need this many people. Like exactly, that would like, have been my point. Like quit. Like I, we love the Fox breeding. All of them. We do not need like they're now adding like Gronk, and then in comes like sometimes like Michael Vick, like not Tony Gonzalez. Tom, yeah. Like <laughs> we don't need like first off being like a grown ass man, putting seven men on a desk sitting like this is not only <laughs> uncomfortable to sit in; it's uncomfortable to watch. Like. I don't so care the, if you the guys Fox seven, free game show. I don't care if you have seven point. John Maddens. If you sit like this, crammed into a TV, like <laughs> it's difficult because everyone the has to. Show. Everyone has to talk, right? So you only right. equal airtime. So like, oh, let's go to Terry, Terry Bradshaw. They're like, dude, you got like fifteen seconds because we got to get to Howie, we got to get to Mike, we got to get to Gronk, we got to get to Jimmy Johnson on on video when he's in Miami. We get, then we got to get to we got to get to the pregame sideline re- report from like. Uh, Christina Pink and then Aaron Andrews and Tom Rawley. There's too many people. Like, you know what the best the best show ever? The best show ever, NFL, like probably one of them, was just Boomer and Tom Jackson. Absolutely. There's two guys. Two. That's all you, you don't need. You three. You don't need four. And I mean even the broadcast too. Like, Buck and Aikman. I think Lisa Salters is really good at her job. No one ever says Buck Aikman and Lisa. <laughs> I mean, it, sorry. It's a good point. It's I think they've been talking about this for a long time on like sports media podcasts where they've been like, hey, you know, inside the NBA has four people up there and it's probably considered the best pregame show in the sport. And I'm like, four is still probably too many, but it's a decent number. All these shows that have five plus, seven plus, it is just nuts because everyone in, has to get indoor, their word in. Outdoor, like, oh, let's go to our outdoor set, like... It's like, okay, the, the TNT crew, <laughs> I mean, probably, I mean, probably the gold standard for yeah. shows. Number one, Ernie Johnson might be the nicest guy on planet Earth, and he probably is the best at his, at his job. Okay. And then Shaq and Chuck also might be, the. I mean, their chemistry is just impeccable. And then uh, Kenny Smith. I mean, they've also been together. Continuity, right? Yeah, right. But, yeah, I... But even, but even like, you're seeing, like, on the regular football broadcast, like, the, like I was watching a CBS game. Oh, they, they flipped to uh, Texans-Jags. And it was, uh, like, the play-by-play guy, um, I think it was Andrew Catalan, and he was with yeah. Matt Ryan and uh, Rondé or Tiki Bar, one of the barbers. Yeah. We don't need three people. Yeah. yeah. We don't need three. Pick one. Like, if you want to hire Matt Ryan or you want to hire these guys, fire somebody. Like, we don't need three people. There's a color guy and a play-by-play guy. Like, the 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 the, the point you're making role, and the point that I'm making is that these things need to be simplified. Like, obviously, yes. there's more money. There's more money to go around for broadcasts and for you know pregame and all that kind of stuff. But it's like. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stop adding so many people like this Amazon pregame show that has Whitworth and Fitzpatrick and Richard Sherman and then Michael Smith. And, you know, there's like 12 people that appear over the course of this thing. And I'm like, 
God, like, when are we just going to simplify it? Fox was the best when it was, and this is 10 or 12 years ago before Bradshaw lost his mind, but it was uh, Kurt Menefee, Terry Bradshaw, Howie, and Jimmy. And it's like, I love Michael Strahan. I think he's awesome at his job, but that was excessive to add him. Then they added, oh, we got to give Jay Glazer his time. We got to give Aaron Andrews her time. Uh, we got to give Michael Vick time. We got to give uh, Gronk time. We got to give Tony Gonzalez time. It's like, at what point is this just not adding anything to anyone? Like, I don't really even watch the pregame shows as much as I used to because I'm like, yeah. I tune on, tune in right at ten when the games start, and I turn it off when the Sunday night game ends. Like, there's no reason to watch the pregame coverage is, is when this it's with this the convoluted. Podcast world, though. Like, I used to think the Fox NFL guys, like, or just any show, even, like, ESPN's NFL Live or any of these shows, I used to think, like, they were giving me real, like, information. I guess Mm -hmm. with podcasts and things, like, I just don't believe what the people that you have on the show. Like, I used to think that the people on ESPN were the smartest football people out there. Right. And I think they used to be, like... I no longer think that. Like... Back in the day, remember Merrill Hodge? I felt like he was great, and now he's gone, and he's replaced with mostly Stephen A. Well, Smith remember, like growing up, Sunday NFL Countdown. It was, it was uh, Boomer. I think yeah, Tom Jackson. I think they who else they had? Wasn't Michael Irvin on there? Years and ago, Ditka. Dit, yeah. yeah. And it's like Rex Ryan, Teddy Bruschi, <laughs> like Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah, I actually think Keyshawn's okay. Yeah. Um, but Bruschi's terrible. Rex like, Ryan is terrible. I just, I just want to be like, is this the best we Obvi- Obviously, is Gronk is awful. <laughs> Who? Gronk. Gronk adds oh. nothing to the broadcast. Love you, Gronk. Not on TV. Like, come on. Yeah, it's just... It's just... I don't know. Maybe this just is what I would prefer. Because not everyone can do the Pat McAfee thing and, like, hold a show that long. Like, it'd be funny and, like, everything. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's really talented. I would prefer more of, like, a nerdy show. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't know. I just... Plus, two. Well, here's my thing, too. Because I used to think, like, screw all you people. Like, just put Adam Schefter answering his phone for an hour. Like, I'd rather <laughs> watch that. But then the NFL Network came out with the Insider Show, and it's horrible. Right. Because they're not, like... Oh, who you got? Like, it's like you guys are just regurgitating what we've already seen, like, right the day before. I, I feel like what people want after the game is solely highlights, and what they want before the game is not necessarily like picks, but like an angle that you have. Like, and you there's not enough room for that if everybody gets fifteen six. Like, if Jay Glazer comes on, you better be telling me like. Yeah, Jefferson is uh, not playing this week again. It's a little bit of shock to the team. And, like, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, start giving me some juice. Like, some rumors. Yeah. Like, he's about to get, like, told to go home. And, like... Yeah. Disgruntled. Yeah. Yeah, give us that. Like, his whole thing about, oh, he's in today. He's out. He's in. He's out. Like, where do you know? The inactives came out, like, 45 minutes ago. <laughs> like... We all play like fantasy football. There, like, yeah, it's at 10 a.m. He's doing his in and out segment, and there's you know a guy playing in the late game, and he's like game time decision. I'm like, we know that. Like, <laughs> like yeah, tell us something. But you're right. My whole thing is like, some people need <laughs> some people need to uh, get laid off. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> 
I mean, you don't want, like, you don't I'll wish say, that like upon Lisa, anybody, but it's just too much. The Lisa Salter's role, the Aaron Andrews role, the like barring like I thought Lisa Salter's was obviously in a tragic situation. I thought she was sensational when she was there for the Demar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Probably never happens again, right? A situation Hopefully. where you absolutely have to have like, the sideline reports. Yeah. yeah. Like, we needed, like... She was, she she wasn't, like, a sideline reporter right then. She felt like an investigative... Like, she felt, like, on the ground... Right. Like, some building just got bombed or something. <laughs> like, it felt True like... True news reporter. It felt yeah. like a news story more than a sports story. But, like... What do they do? Like, oh, I can report that, uh... Yeah... Debo went in the blue tent. So I'll, I'll have a report later. And you're like, we Thanks. saw that. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we saw him get a concussion and get dragged into the blue tent three minutes ago. Like, like don't, don't tell me someone's questionable. Like, obviously, he's questionable. He just got taken off the field. Like, <laughs> tell me if he's out or tell me he's coming back. I, I just... That I, whole discussion just, honestly, started honestly, a firestorm. Honestly... The whole Carissa thing is like, it feels like, I mean, the reality is, is that it, it's an easy, the, the true answer is an easy way to put women in sports. Mm-hmm. They're all women. Most of them. Right? right. Like, we you don't want Tom you calling Rinaldi. the game. Yeah. Like, Tom Rinaldi is one of them. But like, they're mostly Chris Myers, women. yeah. And like, the point is, is like, no one needs your job anyway. Like... Like, Doris Burke is, I think, the best analyst in basketball. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. She does a real job. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not like, oh, Giannis uh, looks like he's questionable. She's <laughs> like, X's and O's breaking down. It's like, it's entertaining. I think she's fantastic. Like, Carissa Thompson, at least during the game, like, your role, whether it's her, Tom Rinaldi, or whoever, like, Tom Rinaldi is fantastic at his storytelling, his, his during the week interviews and stuff, but like, Interviewing Ryan Day, I'm like, what are we doing, Tom? <laughs> like, uh, we're like, we're paying him a bunch of money to do something that nobody cares about. Like that one, it's like the Raiders, money. the Raiders, don't they have that that uh, that chick calling games? Beth Mowens, yeah, yeah, like she's calling games, doing something substantial, like put more more of that, less of you know, let's go down to Jenny Taft for a report on. Michigan's going to run the ball in this game to establish <laughs> the ground game. It's like, like I just, it's my whole thing. It's like, uh, I, like, it just, it feels like, oh, hey, we'll put mostly women in this role. It's like, like, you either want to hire or you don't because, like, it, it's making it worse when, like, they just get shit on for things like Carissa Thompson. Right. Like, she did no like, favors did to anybody. Wrong. Like, in yeah. my opinion, did nothing wrong. But like, what it did was start a firestorm with all the journalists had to come to their profession's defense and be like, hey, this is actually really important what we do. But it also unleashed the firestorm of all the people who consume Barstool and podcasts or whatever. They all attacked all the people who were like, my job is important by saying, we literally don't care. So it's like, it, it that wanted is. me to, you know, that made me want to bring up this discussion of how do we fix NFL broadcasts so that everybody gets a better product and we don't have any of this nonsense. But... 
I guess that's a discussion for another day. Um, appreciate everybody listening for another week. This is a tough week as a Vikings fan, especially going into a bye with a horrendous loss like that. But we'll be back next week to recap the epic Niners-Eagles game in Philadelphia uh, and then look forward to the following week when the Vikings get back in action. Uh, we'll recap all of Week 13, preview Week 14. We'll be back again next Monday for another episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening and subscribing. and. Uh, liking our social media content appreciate it as always uh, thanks for listening to another episode of you like that feels great baby podcast